Welcome to episode 267 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is your Thursday edition, and I am Paul Spohr, joined as always on Thursdays by Eno Saris. And Eno, we've got some deals, man. It's August 20th, yet we've got deals to talk about. How you doing? Whew, I'm doing good. I feel uh, feel like uh, some decent output this week. I just need to uh, throttle my baby child so that he sleeps through the night. <laughs> but uh, other than that, life is okay. That's good. To, that's good to hear that uh, that things are going well. Did I, I want to? Did I want to kill my baby child? Okay. No, no. It's good to hear that things are going well. <laughs> I was actually going to address the. Uh, the, the other piece there, but you know what? Obviously, I know you don't mean it. You, you really just want to get some sleep. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, my girlfriend's been gone all week. She's on a cruise, and uh, you know, I, it's not the same. I'm not saying a puppy is the same as a child, but we have trouble getting her to sleep sometimes uh, regularly. Like I'll, I'll go to bed after Dana and, and bring the puppy in bed, and she'll basically attack Dana and wake her up, and it, it's kind of hilarious. She'll start biting her hair and being crazy. The whole week since Dana's been gone – uh puppy goes to bed the second we go to sleep so i don't know i don't know dana i know you're not listening to this but maybe maybe it's you maybe maybe you got to put your hair up at night so that uh she doesn't want to eat it i don't know the solution so my puppy's sleeping you got to get your dog or you got to get your child to sleep so that we can all have restful nights but the guy who probably wasn't having restful nights as he waited for this deal that he probably knew was in the offing for a while is Chase Utley. Uh, in fact, he talked about it in his press conference yesterday, you know, kind of a somber tone, but, you know, understood, was very thankful to the fans of Philly, understood that this move was the best for him and the team. Uh, mentioned that about three weeks ago, he and Ruben kind of came to, Ruben Amaro Jr., kind of, you know, discussed, hey, these are where I'll go. I, I understand that you guys want to get a return. Let's let's do that. So he's dealt to L.A. And um, honestly, I don't even remember the return. But I don't think it's significant enough to really matter. Uh, Matt Winkleman was talking about the two pieces last night for the Phillies. Said one's not even top 20. One's not even top 30. So, you know, kind of, kind of back-end pieces there. That's not really the focus here, especially on a fantasy podcast. So we really want to talk about Utley, uh, who moves over to the Dodgers situation now. Kike Hernandez is somebody I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, this might not bode well for him immediately because he was kind of playing second base, but there's still going to be opportunity for Hernandez in the outfield. I think it will cut his playing time. Let's focus on Utley, who's actually at least having a good uh, August, and, and he even admitted himself it is small sample size, just eight games, but he's raking. You know, He's 15 for 31, uh, a 484, 485, 742 triple slash. So again, a tiny sample but a glimpse of the old Chase Utley. What do you think they can reasonably expect from him with the Dodgers? And, and is Chase Utley someone that you're picking up in any type of mixed league format because of this move? You know, I think it does help them, you know, keep Corey Seager in the minors if they want to. Now Turner and Guerrero can, can man third and Kike can be the backup uh, center fielder. You know, I think some people have talked about Peterson losing time, but I just, can't imagine that Kike, who's a, uh, I think he's a right-hander, yes. is really going to take uh, the bulk of the deal. If they turn that into a, a regular platoon, uh, that's still iffy because you really want to platoon Ethier and uh, Turner and Guerrero might be a platoon, and then you, you start talking about having you know too many platoons, exactly, um, just in, in terms of like you know people on the roster. So. Uh, you know, I think it's probably more likely that Kike platoons with Ethier, who has an established platoon split and platoon in the past. And, um, you know, Peterson, they continue to roll him out there every day, maybe lower in the lineup against lefties. So I guess that makes Utley an everyday player, really. And, 
it's somewhat appealing just because he has been very excellent throughout his career. But I, I think he's done stealing bases. That that knee is bone on bone, and I haven't touched him for years because of it. It's uh, it's a degenerative knee condition, and uh, stuff came out about it in, in eleven or twelve, and I just haven't really owned him since. So yeah, I, I haven't had Utley for for quite some time, even though you know he had a nice one hundred and fifty five game season last year, uh, where he was a double digit double double guy. I like to say uh, double digit homers and stolen bases, eleven and ten respectively, and a seven forty six. You know, it was kind of a passable season. The real benefit to Utley in twenty fourteen was that he played so much. This year, it hasn't been that case. Not only has he not played much, only seventy three games, but they haven't been great just a 617 OPS uh five homers three stolen bases I wonder how much you know and this is one of those intangible things that's really tough to get any sort of read on but kind of you know be being reunited with his uh old double play partner Jimmy Rollins I think that should make the transition at least a little bit easier for him knowing somebody very well and I'm sure he knows handfuls of the other guys uh, here and there from being a longtime veteran superstar. I'm sure he just kind of knows people, but having, you know, a a good buddy there that he can kind of mingle with right away. He's going to be the double play partner. He is hitting better of late. I don't know. I could see Utley maybe being a pickup for a middle infield position uh, in a mixed league, but I, I think it would have to be at least 12 teams before I even consider it. I still think in 10 teamers, you're going to have better options out there than Utley. What do you think? Here's kind of amazing. He was the ninth best second baseman last year. Wow. See, I mean, you just, you put all that stuff together, right? It's like 11 homers, 10 stolen bases, 74 runs, 78 RBI. It's just like, it's like a a good enough and everything that it's one of the, it's like, it was, he was right above Ben Zobra. So it's like the same thing, right? It's like, just a little bit of everything doesn't really look that attractive until you realize it's a second baseman and there's no negatives really. So 155 games. I mean, that is so clutch, especially in today's game where, you know, a buck 50 is really what you're kind of quote unquote expecting out of guys. There just really aren't 162 gamers anymore uh, because yeah, they, they, they give guys rest on that. purpose. Yeah. They, yeah. They just talked about that with Juan Pierre where they, they think that's gone, but on, on MLB network, but um you know the the thing is the thing is with that kind of skill set and this at this point of the year is that it's a lot harder to get excited about that because at this point of the year you have needs. Yes. And Specific. you know what need is Udley going to you know going to get for you in like a 12 team league is he do you need homers then you're probably you know going to want uh somebody else let's see who uh we can give you uh if you if you need homers and you're talking about a 12 team league Coughlin. you might Who's huh? now second yeah, base eligible? That, he'll have more power. Um, Neil Walker is was a 14th, you know, ranked 14th rest of the season. He, I would, you know, bet on him for having more power. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Phillips just got hurt. Uh, Logan Forsythe, uh, I think, well, he was 18th rest of the season. So if you're deciding between Logan Forsythe and Chase Utley, then maybe uh, Chase Utley offers a little bit of a power upgrade, maybe a little bit of batting average, maybe. But I, I think he's actually very comparable to, to Logan Forsythe at this point with with the idea that he's going to be every day going forward. They're both going to hit, two, you know, 260, 270 with a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. But, uh, you know, Logan Forsythe is either owned or he's not at this point. 
And yeah, it seems it, like it's going to be the same thing for Chase Utley, right? Yeah, if if, if they're still out there, it, it, there's probably very good reason behind it, especially somebody like Forsythe who's actually having a pretty incredible season. So uh, if you're in a league where he's not really owned, and, and, and it's very possible. I mean, he's 42% owned at Yahoo, so he's he's widely available, Forsythe. Again, if you're looking for a middle option and, and it's between those two, I would lean somebody like Forsythe over Utley. Um, this is, he's just healthy, right? Like yes. It's, it's, uh, and I think his batting average will be you know, because you're mentioning what categories is he really going to help you. So even if you're looking at batting average, and I'm not just going off the 217 for Utley right now, but what are, what are the real chances that he can even get hot and pop a 300 the rest of the way? It's it's a there's a chance, but is it high? I would bet on Forsyth ahead of him. And if and if you're like a you know projections first kind of guy, they're both projected for a 250 average. You know, there you go. Utley's, Utley's projections haven't changed for depth chart reasons just yet. They haven't been uh, probably confirmed on the depth charts. Uh, so his plate appearances will go up. But in terms of slash line, it's 250, 318, 386 for uh, Utley, uh, 250, 330, uh, 380 for, for Forsyth. So, you know, better in OBP, um, you know, more times on base, uh, you know, according to projections. And, um, you know, probably equal in steals and close to equal in power. So small bit of news. You mentioned him in passing Corey Seager, actually playing a little bit of third base a couple of nights in a row over OKC uh, could maybe, you know, maybe just expanding uh, his horizons a little bit defensively to find a way into the mix for a September call up. Again, you mentioned Justin Turner, Alex Guerrero could be the, the platoon over at third and, and Turner's obviously been amazing. They'll, they'll want to play him as much as they can. He has obviously coming back from that injury but he can also play other places too. So if there's a, a lefty, you know, Turner can go to second base. Somebody like Seager could play third. So when he gets called up, he might be finding time at both short and third when he does play. But in a redraft league, I'm still not getting geeked about Seager because I, I just have a hard time seeing him really coming up and making an impact. I guess pick him up if, if you've got a spot, uh, if he isn't being stashed somewhere anyway in your redraft league. But otherwise, I wouldn't get too geeked on Corey Seager. I just don't see the playing time there. Let's jump over to the other deal real fast. Uh, Marlon Bird, this one just came down. Marlon Bird gets dealt over to the San Francisco Giants, who are dealing with a ton of uh, injuries in their outfield, including the biggest one coming most recently. I believe it was a strained oblique for Hunter Pence. That's going to put him on the sideline. They've already, you know, Angel Angel Pagan has been on and off all year. Uh, They don't have a great outfield right now. We saw that great play by Juan Perez filling in yesterday where he Spider-Man the wall. That was fantastic. Gregor Blanco, he's a guy who can kind of do the same thing. Their defense, though, they don't really bring much offense to the table. Nori Aoki is back, but you're still in a situation where you're you're, you're relying on – maybe more of a Justin Maxwell type and the Perez and Blanco types. So getting bird is obviously trades some of that defense, but, but adds a heck of a lot more offense to the, uh, to the mix for the giants there. So how do you see this move for uh, Marlon bird now become kind of a mercenary in these last few, few years here as he's emerged, uh, you know, played two teams, 2013 stuck with Philly all year last year because Ruben Amaro jr. Although, Credit to Ruben Amaro Jr.'s last calendar year. He's done a lot of good things, but why they had a full season of Marlon Bird is beyond me last year. Um, and now going to have another two-team season here with Cincy and San Francisco. What do you think of Bird as a giant? <laughs> Big Bird. Uh, this is just a uh, just a really really random thing that happened because my filter was on 2014 for some reason. But um, 
Uh, Marlon Bird's current ISO is uh, exactly the same as Madison Bumgarner's ISO last year. <laughs> so you're saying that there's a chance that Bumgarner could be pinch hit uh, for Bird at any given moment because it's I the mean, same guy. It's happening. It's happening anyway. Right. Um, uh, no, but I, what I really wanted to do was sort uh, for uh, ISO qualified batters uh, and put Marlon Bird in context, uh, context in that way. And uh, he's basically he's 34th. He's right behind a one point behind teammate uh, Jay Bruce. Uh, he's old teammate Jay Bruce. One point behind new teammate Brandon Belt. Um, tied with Mitch Moreland, Andrew McCutcheon, a point behind Abreu, uh, just above Valbuena, Howard, Plouffe, Granderson. So it's not the, uh, you know, above Evan Gattis, above Cespedes. Yeah, uh, Tw- so, 12th, 12th among Bryant. outfielders, you know. Yeah, above Bryant. So, I mean, the guy, it's somebody's, they asked Leak, and he said uh, he's got old man pop. and um, <laughs> He does. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I love it. I, I love what he's kind of transitioned into since 2013. He's really sold out for the power and said, you know what? Uh, there's going to be some swing and miss that comes with it. 25, 29 and 26 percent strikeout rates since 2013 for Bird, but 24, 25 and already 19 homers this year. Likely going to get another mid 20s home run output. Hey, man. You'll take that. Uh, you know, he's, he's not elite by any stretch and not really getting on base at a great clip this year at 286. In fact, let's not sugarcoat it. That's god awful. But if you're getting that pop low in the lineup, you like it. And you have to factor in the fact that San Francisco, they have their own little devil magic. So he'll probably have a 400 on base percentage and a 300 ISO the rest of the way somehow. Yeah. Well, what's amazing is that I thought the Giants would be terrible in power, and they're not great. I mean, they're uh, let me make this National League. They're 18th in the big leagues in ISO, but um, that's uh, that's tough because of DH. So Giants are actually seventh in the National League in ISO, and um, they are tenth in homers. But like going into the season, we projected them for one of the worst power seasons of all time. Now. The Braves were also kind of projected for something like that, and the Braves have come through on that one. Yes, uh, with the the absolute, really rock solid bottom of the the league uh, ISO and uh, and home run total seventy four for the year, one eleven uh, ISO, and and to yeah. your point, the next closest are the Marlins at one twenty. And, uh, you know, they, they probably would be far clear of that if, if Stanton had been playing still, you know, probably up in at least the 130s. So, yeah, they, they, the cheese stands alone there, the Braves, 111. That's so bad. That's and the so dumbest bad. thing, too, is that um, if they're being Giants copycats, because the Giants, of course, always have good contact rates, and that's been part of their uh, thing in the past. If they're being Giants copycats, they do, the Braves do have the best, um, you know, strikeout rate uh, in the National League. The problem is that the Giants – uh, are just right there with them with that, uh, you know, 18.4 to the Braves 18.2 and they still have more power. So, I mean, it's like, you can, you can think about making contact, especially if you're, you know, in like a sort of pitcher's park. Uh, but at some point you, you need to, you need to have some power. And I think giant, punch. yeah, I think giants down lineup, um, uh, you know, can use this. Uh, obviously the other day they ran out an, an outfield that was Blanco, uh, Maxwell and um, uh, a guy named Ryan Lolis, which is spelled with an L O L. Yes, which is and, perfect, um, by the way. <laughs> and and w- they, it was funny because they were walking off the field, and 
Uh, and they did their, they won a game and they did some sort of prepar- like prepared, like, you know, let's <laughs> the jump. all the, the ass jump or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and Blanco was the one setting it up. And that was just so like, um, stark in terms of like, here's a guy, he's the veteran. Blanco is the veteran. He's the guy leading the ass jump. He's so. a stud. I, I like yeah. that. It's called <laughs> ass jump has to stick. That's a term. That, that's a term now. <laughs> You know, when you get with your get with your outfielders, did you guys do an ass jump after the game? No, okay, we, we don't do ass jumps here in San Francisco anymore. Okay, fine, fine, fine. They, they do ass jumps everywhere else in the league. I'm just saying. Uh, no, that is that is funny though because obviously completely not what they wanted their outfield to be. They wanted ass jumps of Aoki, Pagan, and Pence. So it's right. going to be a while until they get any of that. Like I said, Aoki is going to be activated uh, tonight, so they'll have Aoki, Bird. Um, and I guess, you know, and Maxwell, Blanco, it's Perez. Rep- it's representative. It's okay. You know, Pagan has had injury and had problems his whole, whole career, so there's no way that anybody who's betting on him to be healthy all year this year. Yeah. So uh, that's not much of a loss. Hunter Pence, the injury happened, you know, we saw it we happen saw it. live, and, you know, both of us, I don't think either of us drafted him because, you know, it's a risk thing that's bad for power. Mm-hmm. It looked really bad. I think it was probably, you know, kind of forefront of our heads because we'd seen it. Um, so, you know, yeah, maybe, you know, some people in my chat, somebody in my chat said, oh, you know, I got him thinking it'd be a great injury stash. And that's not a bad idea, except that if it's a wrist injury, then it's not good for power. And then, you know, a lost season like this is always a possibility when you have a sort of a catastrophic injury at the beginning of the year. So, um, you know, and I do, and I would not, I would almost expect, I would expect almost nothing out of Hunter Pence the rest of the way. I'm right there with you. And yeah, like you said, I didn't, I didn't draft him either. Um, and again, maybe I overreacted to seeing it, but it sounded so bad. It looked so bad. Just didn't want to deal with it this year, which is interesting though, too, because it was a 180. I was ready. Uh, I never been a huge Pence guy and I wanted to, I wanted to get in on the train after the back to back 162 game seasons. The dude always plays. I mean, you, you, we talk about, you, you mentioned that MLB network was talking about the 162 guy. Um, and he had those back to back seasons of it. He's always been, uh, a, a volume guy. That's the one thing you love about Pence just 52 games so far this year. We'll see how many more he gets, uh, Obviously, snapping that that streak of 20 plus homer seasons at uh, I believe what seven? Uh, let's see here. Yeah, he had yep seven seasons of, of 20 plus homers. He's only got nine. So unless he comes back and has the September uh, from hell, it, it ain't gonna work. Uh, let's jump over to Byron Buxton, who has been recalled in light of Aaron Hicks being DL'd, which is a huge bummer, by the way, because I was really liking what we were seeing from Hicks. Uh, as kind of a resurgence, uh, one time, you know, if not blue, I like to say what the next level is green, maybe green chip prospect. I don't know if he was quite, quite up there as a as a blue chip prospect for Hicks, but he was very well thought of for several years in the prospect community, and he was finally starting to pan out. Boom, gets hurt, but that does open the door back up for Byron Buxton. He's back with the team, batting leadoff against the Orioles. What should we expect to see from Buxton? His first go round wasn't great. But A, it was obviously tiny, uh, a tiny sample, so it's really hard to get any, you know, feeling for it. Thirty-nine plate appearances. Uh, B, super young, and, and C, you know, we we just we don't know uh, what to expect because he also got hurt. So where are you with Buxton, and what do you expect out of him in the last month and a half? The the projections actually are are pretty wildly different. You know, if you uh, if you, if you look at 
you know, I, I mean, they're not wildly different, but look at the strikeout rate for Zips. Zips has a 29% strikeout rate for Buxton, and then Steamer has 23.5. So that's pretty, I think that's almost wildly different because, you know, a 23.5, and I would say he's, a you know, a few hard hit balls from, you know, having a, a representative average of 270 or something, or mm-hmm. two, 280 even, because he's going to be fast, right? Um, so, you know, but at 29%, then you're saying, even though what's amazing though, is that zips and steamer have them both for 245 basically, uh, in the batting average department. So, um, I don't really understand how that works really. I guess zips says he's going to have a 336 BABIP and a 29% strikeout rate. And steamer says he's going to have a 23% strikeout rate and a 305 BABIP. That's uh pretty weird. That but, is weird. Uh, both of them then agree that he's going to hit 250. Uh, Either way, what I would say is this. I believe the higher BABIP and the I, you know, depth charts 26% strikeout rate, I think I'd give him sort of like a 25% strikeout rate the rest of the way because, A, a 12.9% swinging strike rate is not the Joey Gallo number. You know, it's not even like Chris Bryant number. 129 you know, the average is something like 9. So it is, a, it is worse than average, but it's not um, – a 30 it's definitely doesn't predict a 38% strikeout rate and uh, i think it i think it, it would be a little bit much to predict a 30% strikeout rate with that too so i'll give him strikeouts 20 and a quarter of, the, of his at bats going forward he's not going to walk as much as he should um, at least not as first and um, that's it might make them it might make it hard to put him at the top of the lineup but you know the twins will do whatever you know <laughs> yeah, yeah look at that He's the leadoff hitter. Yeah, yeah, bat- batting <laughs> first right away. You know, uh, to to your point that you mentioned earlier about, you know, with the time frame that we have left, you, you really kind of got to focus on where guys are going to help you. I, I don't know that you're faced with the situation where you're choosing between somebody like Utley and Buxton, but between the two, uh, I think, you know, in a vacuum, Buxton is a more helpful guy because he does have that one potential carrying category, which are the stolen bases. So if that's your need, obviously, um, I, I – yeah, What's that? I mean, you're right. It's, it, there's at least an obvious place where he might he might excel. And also, just I, I'd rather take a, a pre-peak guy uh, if the projections are close. And Utley's projected for worse numbers than uh, than uh, Buxton when it comes down to uh, batting average. I mean, yeah, batting average five by five league. So since the projections are about equal, uh, who's going to be more likely to to beat their projections? The 38 year old or the 21 year old? Bingo. And, and so, yeah, like I said, probably not a situation that many folks are facing, but if you were kind of looking on your wire at, at, at both of them, you might think, oh, let me get the let me get the veteran superstar on his way to Cooperstown. Uh, no, I would actually go for the guy who can be more high impact in a single category, and that's Byron Buxton with his speed. You know, this was, it was a devastating night, morning for the Tigers, even after their big 15-8 win in Wrigley, which saw the pitcher hit a home run, and the bats have just been mashing in that two-game set at Wrigley. But they lost two guys. Anibal Sanchez hits the DL with a shoulder. Man, he's been terrible this year. Maybe the shoulder's been bothering him most of the year. And uh, Daniel Norris, the guy who hit the home run, left that start with an oblique. I don't know if it was tied to the home run, but who knows, you know, take a big swing like that. He hit it to deep center, too. He crushed that ball. They lose both of them to the DL, um, and now there's talk that maybe Michael Fulmer, their acquisition that they got in the UNS Cespedes deal, could be called up. What do you think of, of, of the situation here with the Tigers' rotation? It's really gone down in a hurry after the trade of Price. Uh, now two injuries. They're, they're <laughs> it, it is a battle of attrition, and it, it, 
it's funny sometimes to read some of the Tigers fans who still look at the standings and see that, you know, it's not an insurmountable lead. And so they think that the Tigers have a chance. It's like they, they so don't. All you need to see is one game where a reliever comes in to fully realize how little of a chance they had, even if these guys stayed healthy. But now this is finally the nail in the coffin. The Tiger season is officially over. Where do you stand on Sanchez and Norris heading to the DL? And what do you think of Fulmer maybe getting called up? You know, I think actually that Sanchez probably has been hurting for a while. If you look at the early July, if you look in early July, his uh, strike zone percentage was down. His release point was inconsistent uh, and had been sort of become more inconsistent over time. And he he's like Felix Hernandez where all of and his velocity was down. And this is this is interesting because these are the four factors that Josh Kalk has in his injury zone. Um and I use that to say that Felix Hernandez probably hasn't been the same since he hurt his ankle. And if you look at Animal Sanchez, a guy who had shoulder surgery in the past, you see a guy who has really nice late-game consistency normally on his, um, on his release point. You see a guy who's around the strike zone normally um, and who's kept a decent velocity recently. And then you see that uh, instead of gaining velocity as the season has gone on, usually... Um, the um, uh, usually what you have is um, a peak in August. He's he's been declining since uh, you know basically the beginning of June. Uh, so you know those. You know what what am I saying? He's hurt. He's on the DL. It's obvious. But uh, well, but I agree uh, with you, you that you can it's... see it. You can see it in there, and and it, that seems to be kind of interesting. Um, you know. Th- I think you're 100% right that he's been hurting for a while. There's just no way. The, the, the season that Anibal Sanchez has had has been so freaking annoying because the big issue that he's had has been home runs after being the baseball's best home run suppressor for two seasons. Um, from, excuse me, from the start of 2013 through 2014, he had 308 innings of a .4 homer per nine. That was baseball's best with a 300-inning minimum. Uh, and then this year, 1.7. I almost said 100.7, which it feels like because he's leading baseball with 29 home runs allowed. It's been so brutal. And he had some home run issues in his past, a couple of 20 homer seasons leading into that 2013 season. But uh, that was those were .9 homer rates. Those were livable. And maybe he'd have an upper threes ERA the way he did those two years if he was at .9. But this year, the 1.7 has him with nearly a five ERA. There's just no way he hasn't been hurt for at least some portion of this season, maybe all of it. Uh, And it's really unfortunate because I thought he was going to have another big season. I really liked him coming into the year from a fantasy perspective, but also uh, as a Tigers fan. Norris had been showing some flashes. Obviously, the the home run is cool, but irrelevant to the matter when we're talking about pitching. Uh, He hadn't been excellent with the Tigers. You know, he kind of had ups and downs. That one start where he was absolutely crushed, Boston really got to him. He dominated Baltimore. Uh, He was all right, you know, kind of held his own against KC and then wasn't great in this Chicago outing, but that the ball is just leaving the yard in Wrigley those last two days. Everything was a slugfest. Uh, so I, I'm not sure I even hold that too much against him. It, it could be the end of his season, though, right? These oblique injuries can be problematic, and given that he's kind of the future 22-year-old, I doubt they'll rush him back. Do you see it that way as well? Yeah, I mean, I... I uh... I think that uh, the way that he grabbed it and the way that he was frustrated so about 
Yeah, I think that was a bad sign. Uh, so, and, and it is actually kind of interesting because there, you know, there, Jeff Zimmerman did some stuff that um, the best, the the one of the best outcomes for any group of pitchers, any class of pitchers, are the pitchers that have great command. And and the way he did it was zone percentage and walk rate. And the the, the guys who are, are who have good numbers in both of those have the best the best DL percentage among all of the different groups that we've ever put together, high slider usage, high curveball usage, high changeup usage. So um, I did think about that for a second when I saw Norris grab his oblique, because we know that he has inconsistent mechanics. We know that he has uh, inconsistent command and uh, there he goes and he grabs an oblique. But of course I didn't know that he'd hit a homer early in that game. So crushed it too. Like I said, straightaway center, uh, it, it was a monster shot. I saw it on replay because I was at yeah. softball, but oh my God, uh, absolutely killed it. So like I said, that, that may that have makes, played a role. I think it does because it makes me think uh, of Francisco Liriano who, uh, who hit a homer and like immediately grabbed his boob and, uh, and he had some sort of pec strain. I, he's, he's still pitching, I guess, but they, they took him out of that start and uh, it's a risk, I think, with him a little bit. DH everywhere. Sorry, purists. I'm all for it, and and this is a primary reason, to be honest. I, I'm, you know, fun as it's been to watch Bumgarner bat. Exactly, I mean, and Green. Tim Lincecum. You know, most of the time you get Tim Lincecum. <laughs> that's the thing. We, anytime this talk comes up, people cite the the outliers, the Mike Leakes, the Travis Woods, the Micah Owings, the Bumgarners, and Grankies. But you can name all of the good ones because there are so few. So just let's stop with this. Pitchers are being paid too much money. They're too important uh, to, to be messing with it. So just let's move on from that. Uh, there was another small trade yesterday. It's not you know not quite as big, so it doesn't get to lead off the show. But Will Venable was dealt out to Texas um, to kind of cover some of their outfield woes because Josh Hamilton hit the deal. I know that surprises you. I should have warned you to sit down before telling you that because I know that was going to floor you. Who could even figure? Who could even figure that that 34-year-old Josh Hamilton hit the deal? But yeah, unfortunately he, you know, he was actually hitting the ball a little bit uh, recently. It had some key hits at least. I don't know if he was hitting consistently, but some key hits that were showing up on the highlights, so maybe that's where I'm remembering it. Uh, yeah, only a 694 OPS in, in August for Hamilton, but but a couple bombs, so maybe that's what's sticking out. So he hits the DL. Venable comes over. You know, it's a park upgrade for sure. And uh, he he was he was making some hay in in San Diego as it was. Just about a league average player. 696 OPS was good for a 98 OPS plus. I'm sure that's influenced by his park. Six homers, 11 stolen bases in 308 plate appearances for Will Venable. I doubt that he's going to be a full-time player, but what do you think that folks can expect out of him the rest of the way? He can't hit lefties at all. Yeah, but, you know, they didn't bring up Joey Gallo. And uh, I don't know if that's a developmental thing that they want Joey Gallo to work on stuff or if they, you know, are going to, you know, go with Venable as long as they think that they're in it. Um, I don't necessarily think they're in it, really. But judging, I have a fan graphs filter on on Twitter so that I can you know see some see what people are saying about fan graphs mm-hmm. and I would say that the number one fan base that dislikes us right now uh, is in Texas and they are upset because our playoff odds for them are low and our rest of season projections for Chichi Gonzalez are low but you know what <laughs> that's earned. we talk about Chichi a lot here yes and uh, I don't think this is a great team right now uh, but um 
you know, you, you, I guess you would have to really believe what Delano DeShields has done so far and think he can keep doing it. And I you'd do. really, I like Delano a lot. That that one, uh, maybe that one I could get behind a little bit. Um, and then you have to really believe in teaching Gonzalez, which uh, I don't. I'll say, yeah. I mean, I say I think he's interesting because he has different kinds of movement than some people. But uh, the swing strike rate and the strikeout rate are just so low. It's just it, it doesn't seem like it's going to turn into something much. But so I think Venable is actually going to start uh, most of the time while the Joey Gallo's in the minors and um, so Venable the Shields chew. Yeah, I think that's going to be the the the, the uh, lineup against righties, and you know it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Uh, like, if you compare his numbers to Utley's, just because Utley is like our barometer today, right? Uh, um, I, I think that he could have. You'll have. I yeah. I'll, I'll say this. He'll have better numbers than Chase Utley the rest of the way. I, I think I think that's fair. And again. Another similar case where he has a, a better carrying uh, situation because he can run. And he's not an overwhelming runner like a Buxton, but he's got right. four 20 stolen base seasons in his career. He has 11 so far this year. Uh, if they turn him loose a little bit and he's playing every day against righties, Venable could maybe n- not double that. I mean, he could double that, honestly, because stolen bases can cl- come in such clumps and he could get crazy. But he could give you another eight the rest of the way, uh, and that could be pretty substantial, especially if he pops a few out. And if that park does help him a lot, maybe blows a couple extra out there, balls flying down in Texas as well, or I should say here in Texas since that's where I live. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think you're right, even though most people wouldn't think that. He's not a slap hitter except for this year. For some reason this year he's decided to hit two ground balls for every fly ball where he's been much closer to, you know, one and a half in the past. So, uh, you know, the question is can can people change this quickly? And it's funny because we we have this idea that things stabilize, uh, that, that sort of ground ball rate stabilizes quickly. Um, but that that's it seems to me a kind of a two-edged sword because what you're saying is that the number becomes interesting quicker, but to me, that also suggests that the player can change that thing quickly. You know what I mean? That, that, that the player has an agency over that much more than, say, walk rate or strikeout rate or, or power, power, where, you know, the, it can be a homer or not. So, you know, and, and, you know, it can be Juan Perez is out there and all of a sudden you either have the homer or you don't. So um, I, I think that uh, – it's certainly possible that Venable could land in Texas and say, you know what, it's time for some fly balls. That'd be sweet. That'd be sweet because he does have the power speed element. Venable could be a nice little sneak pickup, um, especially in your AL only. He's obviously coming over. He's free to everybody to, to bid okay. on or, or go for. And then he may be even in a deep mixed league where you're trying to get some outfield help. Um, I, I think I believe in them a little bit more as a contender than you do, if only because – I'm not that enamored with the other teams in contention for the for the wild cards outside of the Jays, of course. I, I firmly believe in them. In fact, I think, think they could overtake the Yankees. But, you know, the Angels, Orioles, Twins, Rays, I already mentioned the Tigers, so I'll stop there. I'll just say Orioles, well, Twins, and Rays, uh, none of them are overwhelming to me. And so I look at the Rangers and save Holland, who, who, who we'll, we'll go ahead and move into and talk about him and his his uh, return yesterday. If he can be something and Hamels continues to settle in, that's now a much better one-two punch, and you don't need as much from your from your Wandy, uh, not Wandy, Gallardo, uh, Giovanni Gallardo and Kobe Lewis combo. 
eh, I think all of a sudden maybe they can make some noise. So I, I actually kind of like this team as a potential sneak into the uh, playoff situation. But I do agree that uh, overall, look, I look at them more as a 2016 and beyond team. And that's why I like the Hamels deal so much. And that's obviously the main reason that they did it. Yeah. So let's the, talk. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, but it is interesting because they did just add Hamels. And now uh, they, they've just got back uh, Derek Holland. And the the nice thing about that is that, you know, Derek Holland, I was a little bit worried about because the velocity had been really going down. And then before he got hurt, I was like, he, this guy's hurt. He was throwing like 88. It was bad. And, and it was it looked really bad. And, uh, and lo and behold, he's hurt. Uh, but, uh, you know, this last time out, he, he was 93 and a half, uh, which – you know, gets him back to, you know, at least what he was doing last year, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, another thing that was nice about what he did was that he actually uh, used the changeup. You know, uh, he used the changeup more than he had since last March, last, uh, last, last, spring uh, yeah, training? last March. So basically, that's spring training. So, um, you know, if you're talking about in season, he used the changeup more than he had since 2011. Oh, yeah. And it, and it was way down for these previous couple of years here. And obviously didn't play a whole lot last year, only had the September uh, month. And it was really nice, 37 innings. But uh, yeah, it, it, we hadn't seen the change up from him nearly as much. He looked really sharp yesterday, did Holland. You mentioned the 93 and a half on his velocity. It's not quite up to the uh, 95 that he was able to, to hold for 2013 if you round up 94 and a half. But um 93 and a half from the left side is pretty damn impressive. And so if he's ready to be a, a, a contributor down the stretch for them, uh, you know, maybe not on par with last year when he had a 146 ERA in those 37 innings. But if he's if he's a key contributor, the 342 ERA that Holland had back in 2013. And like I said, I think Hamels is settling in. All of a sudden, I, I, I like them a, a good bit better. Their, their underrated moves were a couple of uh, bullpen moves to get Sam Dyson and Jake Diekman came along with Hamels, and they've both been pitching exceedingly well uh, in, in their time. 2021 20, innings combined, they've only allowed four earned runs. So, And I like Tolleson at the back end. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit more sold on this Texas team as a potential contender. I don't know if, how much damage they can do in the playoffs, but that's a crapshoot. I don't really know how much damage anybody can do. Once you get going, it's who's hot. And uh, I don't know. I think they stack up well here. I think it's going to be between them and the Orioles um, and the Angels. Those three, I think, are the real contenders. Like I said, you jump down to the Twins, Rays, Tigers. They look like they're in it because they're 4-4 four, four, or 4.5 four back, respectively. But I don't think they're really in it, to be honest, uh, any of those three teams. The Rays blow games that they, they absolutely have to win, and the Twins have been in a free fall, and I already talked about the Tigers. So, yeah, give, give, me, give me the Rangers here. I'll be, I'll be pulling for them um, just for fun, just because I think it's, it's, it'll be cool. Here's another reason that uh, there's a chance. One, um, uh, Matt Shoemaker just got demoted, and he's going to be replaced by Nick Tropiano, who I kind of like. We've talked about him a little bit here, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that – is an admission that the Shoemaker thing isn't working out and he wasn't the pitcher that he was last year. And two, this is a certain player's line since he injured his wrist. Uh-oh. 194, 326, 347. It sounds like a Matt Joyce uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a hot streak line. but Matt, Except it's I, Mike I Trout. I think it's Mike Trout. 
And somebody said something about him dealing with a heel issue, which, uh, you know, either compounds, uh, he cramps in his calves uh, and this thing. And then there was something about a heel issue. Somebody was talking about zero stolen bases, one caught stealing, two homers uh, in 86 plate appearances. So, um, you know, if he starts uh, falling apart and uh, Albert Pujols can, A, either fall apart at any moment or, you know, regress a little bit because he's been he's just cooled down because he was so obscene and 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 they didn't have a lot of depth in that offense to begin with it was really those two and Calhoun kind of getting it done um that could spell major trouble for the Angels and really kind of put the put the nail in their coffin I I I didn't have him on the list but I want to talk about him because I know we've kind of mentioned him a lot in passing throughout this year because he's kind of fascinating with his uh 42 mile an hour fastball Jared Weaver looking a little bit better since he got off the disabled list. A really strong start yesterday uh, against the White Sox, six and a third scoreless, five hits. Um, hasn't allowed more than two earned runs in any of his three starts since coming back for a total of 17 and a third innings and a 208 ERA with 15 strikeouts and two walks. Where do you stand on Jared Weaver right now? Again, doesn't throw the ball hard, all about deception and and and, and actually pitching as opposed to throwing. But uh, can he kind of balance out some of the negatives that we're talking about and keep them afloat? It's, I mean, it's amazing because he, he averaged 85, I think, on his fastball coming back. And as bad as that sounds, it was better than it's been it like up. most of the yeah, so uh, it's uh, that's what you call uh, pumping gas. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's he did even last year, 87, 88. That's pretty bad. And I mean, actually, uh, I'm looking at Brooks, so it's that's what we would call 86. And, and the crazy thing, by the way, uh, just to just jump in, is that his velocity was actually down in yesterday's outing. So he has that amazing Weaver, Je- Je- Jared Weaver. I always call him Jeff, of course. Every, I think everyone does makes the mistake between those two. But Jared Weaver has that big outing, and yet the velocity was actually back down, 82 and a half um, on oh, the geez. four seamer, and 81.9. Uh, actually, just 82 because it's 81.98. So just kind of a flat 82 on the sinker. It's not so good. That's weird. So, I wonder what numbers I was looking at. That's eight nineteen. That's his last start. Well, he was. It was coming back uh, in the in the first couple. He was kind of back at that eighty four, eighty three mark. Where again, it's so funny to say that that's back to something because it's so. Dude, you can't awful. make it happen at eighty miles an hour. I'm sorry. I, you know, as much as there's like you know Jamie Moyer and Chris Young and uh, theories of pitching, and he has a rise ball and great command. He's I mean, thirty two miles though. an hour. These guys were doing it at forty two with that sort of. He's stuff. hurt. He's hurt. He has to be. I mean, something. I, I mean. What what could possibly be the explanation from throwing this slowly? I mean, it was bad enough when we're talking 86, 88. Now we're sitting 82, 84. Ugh, I don't know. So yeah, I just he's pitching better, but I don't think there's there's the support there beyond the results to really say that okay, I can kind of trust this. It's it's really terrifying. Uh, let's let's move on a little bit here. <laughs> I mentioned the Rays are, are you know, I, I don't buy them, and, and they kind of got a death blow too. Maybe not a death blow because it's a reliever, and, and what are they going to throw the rest of the season, a good 15 innings or so. But uh, Jake McGee's done for the year. Uh, they're they're one, the 
second of their one-two punch there with McGee Boxberger. Knee surgery uh, is going to end his season. And so I, I guess that feels better for Boxberger fan, uh, owners, though, if they're worried about him losing the job because he's been kind of all over the joint. Um, he should have firm handle on the job the rest of the way. McGee was pitching brilliantly, 257 ERA, .91 whip, 12 strikeouts per nine in his 35 innings, but he's he's done now for the year. Uh, does this have any impact for you other than to make you feel better if you have Boxberger? Yeah, that's about it, I guess. Yeah. You know, just the Boxberger is going to, you know, Boxberger becomes more of a rock-solid guy. I don't really see anybody in that pen uh, taking that away from him. So uh, it did look a little bit uh, dicey there for a second, but uh, I would say now I'm – I'm all about. I mean, Boxberger is filthy, and these things are in really such is. small samples that it's really hard to prognosticate about about uh, Bill Pens. But we try our best. And the, well, the thing that always worried me is that uh, you know at, we we see it uh, with the guy who used to work there, Joe Madden. But the, they they've picked up the torch, Kevin Cash and company, that they're not afraid to make the change, and that's what worries me about somebody like Boxberger. I love the talent. Uh, he was somebody I was very in on this year, thinking that he could hold the job. Uh, when he got that, because he had that window there when McGee was going to start the season on the DL, and I'm like, he can be good enough to where he just keeps the job. But then he, he had some shaky periods, and you just worry that Tampa Bay would make the move. Now I don't think you have to worry about that so much uh, because Boxberger's very clearly their best reliever. Let's stay in the AL East and talk a bit about Nate Eovaldi, somebody I've long been a fan of. Um, you know, not having a great overall season when you look at a 4.24 ERA and a 156 uh, whip. I don't want to sell them out too much. Say 156, but. Uh, that offensive support has given him a 13-2 and record, which has really salvaged his fantasy value. Meanwhile, uh, a lot of that damage was done early, and he's been pretty sharp uh, for quite a while now. If you're looking over, basically the, the line of demarcation was when his old mates, Miami, ripped him for nine, or excuse me, eight earned on nine hits in just two-thirds of an inning. In Miami, too, by the way. Um, so, you know, it wasn't even homers. It was just hits on hits on hits, and they crushed him. They sent his ERA up a full run in the middle of June. That's tough to do. He went from 413 to 512. For somebody that had been making every turn in the rotation, it's tough to send your ERA up a run in one outing, yet he did it. But since that point, Ivaldi has 11 starts of a 329 ERA in 65 and two-thirds innings. And I think we're seeing some evolution in his uh, in his pitch mix and in his raw stuff that has me hopeful for the future still. And now I, I, this is like the 54th year in a row that I, I say I'm hopeful for the future of Ivaldi. <laughs> the future has to come at some point, but it might actually finally start to be coming now. And even though I have been kind of you know beating the drum for this guy for several years, he is still only 25 years old. So what have you seen from Ivaldi this year, um, and 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 how do you like his outlook the rest of this season? Well, he used to really love his fastball, and that you know that, that makes a lot of sense. You know the the other outing he was at 102 in the sixth inning or something. So I mean he's he's got nutty velocity, but the problem is it's it's straight. It's a straight As fastball, an and there's no deception. So people see it all the way. And, you know, even even a guy like Garrett Richards, who has a big fastball, you know, and, and there's some other guys, too, that have, have got, undergone this uh, this evolution. In fact, in general, pitchers use their fastball less as they as they age. But I think that what happens with the big fastball guys, they come up loving the fastball and then they realize that if they're, if they're sitting on 
on the fastball, then then they're screwed. So, um, you know, in response, Ivaldi has tried to throw the slider a lot, but the slider is only okay. And uh, then he had the split finger this year, and the split finger was okay, but I think he was hanging it some, and he didn't really believe in it. And then everything changed in June, like right after I talked to him. He now throws the split finger more than the slider, and he's thrown the four seam less than he's ever had. And it's getting to the point now where it's almost a 30-30-30 shot on the four seam, the splitter, and the slider, which I think is perfect because that's when you really get the batter guessing. Which which one of the three is it going to be? Which one of the three velocities is it going to be? And now that Eovaldi has changed his splitter from the deep fork ball to more of a in-the-fingers Alex Cobb splitter, um, he he's getting more velocity on the pitch. And so he's basically 100 with the fastball. I'm not even kidding. No, I mean, it, he's basically, it, it's so ridiculous. 100 with the fastball, 90 with the splitter, and uh, the slider is... I think the slider's decently hard, too. Uh, 85. Mm-hmm. So you, you're basically... Now you have a, a decent spread of... It's all pretty hard, but you know he can go to the curve at 77, 78 sometimes. Um, he doesn't do it a lot, but... Um, you know, every once in a while to keep them off balance, you, you throw that curve out there. And that, that really means your range is all the way from 75 to 100. <laughs> and, you know, functionally between 85 and 100, still pretty good. And the split finger, which is amazing. What the th- amazing thing to me is that he switched this uh, split split finger and it, it, and it went up um, from 85 to 90 in terms of velocity. <laughs> And he gained movement. It's ridiculous. Like I, mean, I don't know how he did it. He gained five inches of, like, you know, four or five inches of horizontal movement, and he didn't lose any vertical movement in doing this, which is, like, how did you do that? How did you throw it harder and get more movement and not lose any drop? So um, I, I'm i buying this guy. There's a, yeah, I, there's a reason I, I can't a, leave the bandwagon. Yeah, I mean, this is why teams trade for these guys. There's there's aha moments. There's, this is why you start with velocity and then you try to coach the rest in there. Um, so, you know, for what it's worth, the slider has the most drop it's ever had uh, as well. And now he's got a splitter that he trusts, and he's, that's a three-pitch legit mix. All of them look uh, fairly nasty as, as long as you, you look away from the, the straightness of the fastball. But, you know, the straightness of the fastball should also give him more command. I was talking to... Um, uh, Colin McHugh maybe or I was talking to somebody about command and we were talking about like nobody throws uh, a straight fastball you know a fully straight fastball so you know it's it's unreasonable to expect these pitchers to be able to really command their pitches when everything bends a ton mm-hmm. um, and then the person said well Clayton Kershaw and uh, I, I hadn't heard that angle before Clayton Kershaw's uh, his, his fastball is very straight and people really don't expect that from a lefty. And it allows Clayton Kershaw to be really pinpoint with the command. So um, I thought that was an interesting uh, – It's a, we're getting off track. But, you know, with a, with a, with a fastball like that, maybe he can, he can really, you know, harness that command and really three-pitch mix him to death. I, 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 I'm back on, and I, I've been off, and I've even disagreed with you about Ivaldi and – I'm back on, man. He's he, he. You can't quit velocity like that. You're always like, look at Danny Salazar. You know what I mean? It's yep. like, 
And and when it you clicks, know? look exactly. And, and and we've even seen it kind of within the season for Danny Salazar. He'll have these phases where where it's clicking. Uh, not quite the aha moment that he carries on. Let's see if he carries it on. But um, yeah, it, it can be so devastating when it's on. And that's why I, I cannot quit Evaldi. I have never been able to. Even in the face of some really ugly results, I've done everything I could to try to hang on to him in in, in various leagues, and uh, it's starting to pay some dividends. So I'll, I'll be I'll be sky high on this guy again next year. I really will. I think he's he's evolving, and um, I, I think we're really finally seeing Nathan Ivaldi learn how to pitch a bit more. Uh, for a substantial period of time. We saw it in flashes over the last few years, but it wasn't enough, and that's why I understood why people would jump off the bandwagon. But I had to conduct that train. I couldn't let it jump off the tracks, so I'm still driving there. Uh, you know, let's let's wrap it up with a couple of other young pitchers here and talk about Houston's guys because they had these two standout rookies. One, one. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. We have breaking news. Breaking news out there the wire. Uh, the Tigers have acquired Randy Wolf <gasps> cash. I've got to reassess everything I said about the playoff <laughs> chances now. Can we go back? Can we start over? Welcome to the Thursday episode of the – we have to start over because now – They are in. Yeah, now they're it's in. Like... <laughs> you're, you're done, Texas. You're done, Toronto. It's over. That's all right. Uh, okay. Yeah, obviously they need they need some warm bodies. And uh, that that's hilarious. That is definitely breaking. Wait, does favorite. that mean does that mean that uh, Fulmer isn't coming up then? Do they have a full five with Randy Wolf? Uh, well, they called up some youngsters yesterday. I believe a guy named Valdez and Nudson. Guido Nudson was was one of the guys. Um, I think one of those two guys will start. So I, I do think that Wolf completes completes the rotation again. But uh, but we'll see. I, I think it's still kind of a TBD situation. Um, with regards to, they, they must just uh, really want to see. You know, Fulmer's command has been up and down, and then he's also um, he's uh, Michael Fulmer is the guy who came over in the Cespedes deal, and, and he, um, he his command has been up and down, and you know he doesn't have a ton of innings. And yeah, and he, uh, and he hasn't. He's only maxed out at Double A right now, and but he's been pitching exceedingly well in Double A, both for Binghamton. Um, and then with with Erie with Detroit so far in three starts, uh, a 162 ERA in 16 and two thirds innings with 3.8 strikeout to walk ratio, 15 strikeouts, four walks. So maybe they just didn't want to want to rush it and said, you know what, we'll just get this this fill in here. And maybe they'll just wait till September. Uh, so what what's that? Just another 11 days anyway, and they'll call them up. Then I, I that's my guess at this point because mm-hmm. like I said, they did call up two other young guys. Didn't know a whole lot about them when I saw it. Uh, running on the wire on Twitter last night, but I believe one of them will start, and then Wolf will be the other guy. And uh, you know, hilariously, the Tigers will go on a run and make the playoffs. It's going to be great. It's still, be great. there's still, I mean, there's, a, there's still a chance that we see Fulmer. Yes, uh, just you know, last for a while. year he had basically a hundred innings, and this year he's basically at 110. So there's still, so there's still some innings in him. Um, and he's done well with you know 15 strikeouts and four walks in in Double A uh, since he's been traded to the Tigers. So um, you know I, I I would keep an eye out for him. He is one of those lightning in a pan sort of situations where he could give you a really good DFS or or streaming play at some point if you're ahead of the the curve and maybe he's worth 
stashing on a deep bench for that. Uh, but in your keeper leagues, he's he's owned. And uh, I, I love the Yogi Berra-esque combination of two phrases that you just did there, lightning in a bottle and flash in the pan. Lightning in a pan, and you know what? what? Where better? What better place to get lightning than in a pan? And maybe Fulmer can deliver that. We'll discuss him more if and when he does call, come up for a September call up, because yeah, he is somebody who you know has has prospect pedigree and could get hot and could give you those five starts that really be that really make a difference uh, in September, particularly for your AL only leagues or your really deep mixers where you're just trying to catch lightning in a pan. Uh, let's finish up with the Astros. You know, we talked about Randy Wolf. Uh, not really. I mean, we didn't break him down or anything. But he's an older guy. On the complete opposite end of the spectrum, age-wise, we have two Houston youngsters who really came up and gave them a nice impact. One was was pitching like a super stud uh, until getting shellacked. Lance McCullers Jr. and Vincent Velasquez was pitching uh, admirably. Not not quite like a super stud, but a 367 ERA in 42 innings with 43 strikeouts is still very nice. So both were were doing well. But they obviously wanted to kind of limit the innings that these two had this year, ideally so that they have them for September and then perhaps the playoffs if, if they make it. And I, I think they will, but obviously nothing's guaranteed. And we'll see how a young team stands up against the rigors of a September pennant chase. So they're going to bring them back up. Velasquez is coming up today. He'll be available in relief right away. And then McCullers is back up Sunday to get back in the rotation. So let's focus on McCullers because I'm not sure how much Velasquez is going to start because then it's going to be McHugh. Uh, Keuchel, Feldman, McCullers, and Fires, I assume. So Velasquez might get a spot start here and there, but I, I think they're going to manage his innings by letting him be in relief, which is just going to strengthen their bullpen because he's a, he can just uh, unleash it for an inning at a time as opposed to having to uh, figure a way to go five, six innings. So McCullers is going to return. Last we saw of him was a shellacking, but uh, I don't think that's why they sent him down. It just kind of gave them – the, the reason it was easy to do it at that point when you give up six runs in a third of an inning to say, you know what, we got to give him a breather. Uh, they're basically giving him a month off, about three weeks or so. I don't even think he pitched much in the minors, if at all. I think it really was just a break. And now they get him for the stretch run. Maybe Washington can learn from this, by the way, uh, during the Strasburg, Strasburg season. So McCullers is going to come back up. Like I said, the last we saw of him wasn't good. What do you think we're going to see when he when he gets back? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't have his. Uh, why don't I have it? I'll just I'll just call it up. I can get his minor league uh, he, game log up. But he did. Pit, McCullers did pitch once in that time, just just the other day on eight eighteen. Uh, he got a three inning start at Corpus Christi Double A. Uh, he gave up one run. It was unearned. One hit, three walks, and five strikeouts. Yeah, so that was planned from the beginning. It was basically yep. two weeks off, two weeks off, and then the three inning one, so that he doesn't have to come back up and pitch five innings in his first start. So I love it. I love uh, that they planning. Stretched it out. I really like it. A.J. Hinch said that the, it was all about managing his innings and managing his workload. It wasn't really about – he admitted that it wasn't really about the, you know, the, the, bad, um, uh, the bad outing that it, he had. So, so it would have come no matter. It just looked like it was because of that. That was just a timing thing. Yeah, and so, you know, basically he was, he's was he been at 100 innings for two straight years, and he's at, um, you know, 109 right now. Um, and, you know, basically, you know, in a given month, uh, a regular starter would get, um, you know, I would say probably about 30 innings. So now, um, you know, they, they went from him having like, you know, uh, another 60 or 70 innings left in the season 
to now it's like 40 or 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they, they might still play a little bit of shenanigans um, with him where they may uh, t- treat them as their fifth starter um, so they can skip him a couple times and uh, maybe even you know have Velasquez or somebody out of the bullpen do a spot start to, to give him an extra stretch. But um, you know I don't think it would be too crazy to get him out of this year, including the playoffs, for 150, 160 innings. It's it's a boost, uh, but and it's a little bit bigger than some in the past, but they're also doing better than they thought. And he's, he's, he's a great pitcher. And people were asking me, should I trade this guy for McCullers, for, you know, thinking about the playoffs, and should I try and get him now? And I was like, yes, yes, go get him. Don't look at the projections. Ignore the projections. I don't believe that he's going to walk five guys per nine. I don't believe he's going to give up over a homer per nine. I, I think that the projections missed that his changeup improved dramatically this year, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know with that changeup he doesn't have he doesn't have great command, but he doesn't have to uh, nibble against lefties, you know. So uh, he has a bunch of weapons now, and uh, I think he's he's a pickup in any league. Yeah, I've been really impressed with uh, Lance McCullers this year, and I agree with you. All leagues. Go get them. Redraft leagues probably out on the wire in some of those leagues. When, you know, get sent down that long. Guys just get impatient and and they move on. Plus, you couldn't DL him; he wasn't hurt, so he's just taking up a, a bench spot. These mixed leagues bench spots can get tight. I would not be surprised. Do not assume that he's owned. Obviously, keeper leagues uh, folks probably didn't didn't have any reason to to cut him because there's too much long term value. But redraft leagues. Yeah, 25% strikeout rate that's likely on the uh, – uh, not likely, but has a chance to be on the wire in a lot of situations. If you need pitching, you need to go out there and get him right away. So I really like that. Um, you know, you mentioned there could be some shenanigans. Maybe they, they – they, they, the Astros have done a lot of tandem starting in the minor leagues uh, with their young guys. Maybe they even do a tandem start or two between McCullers and Velasquez as another way, especially – I could see that maybe in mid-September if things are really looking good for them to make the playoffs as a way of saving a few more innings for October for McCullers. They could do something like that. So where he only gets he gets the start, but he only gets three innings. Then Velasquez comes in for three innings, and then they turn it over to the bullpen. So just be monitoring that. But you know what? If you don't desperately need wins, you're not chasing wins. All you care about is the innings and the strikeouts that he's getting anyway. And I think McCullers can be high impact again for the rest of the season. All right, you know, that's going to wrap it up for us. We will be back on Tuesday. Jason and I will be back on Sunday. I hope you have a great weekend and get some sleep. Do not, uh, what did you say, throttle? Do not throttle <laughs> your child. Just politely ask him to go to sleep, and uh, I think that will work. I, I'm not a parent, but I th- it sounds pretty easy. Uh, parents are always complaining about it. I can't get any sleep. seems pretty easy. Just ask him. Say, hey, man, could you get some sleep? I'm really tired, and I think he'll do it. I think I'm, I, you know. Like I said, I'm not a parent, but I think I have this pretty much nailed. So just do that. You'll get some sleep. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then we'll be back Tuesday, and you'll be fully rested. All right, Eno? Thumbs up. As always, thanks for listening. Take care.